Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Ladies and gentlemen, back again with another episode of the Bow Down Podcast. And John, we are working our way to the All-State Sugar Bowl down in New Orleans in a couple of weeks. But on our trip, on our road trip, on the way to the Sugar Bowl, we've got a lot of things we want to talk about. Before we hit a preview on the matchup versus Texas, there's some news that I know you've been working on. You had your ear to the ground talking about the transfer portal. A lot of great things potentially happening for the University of Washington with that transfer portal. We'll get to that in a minute. But, John, we're about two weeks away from arguably the biggest game in this school's history when it comes to football. The second uh, time that the Washington Huskies have made it to the college football playoff. Talk to me a little bit about what we did in the past and what we are expecting to do in this version of the college football playoffs. Like you said, it's the second appearance now, that first appearance being in that 2016 season led by head coach Chris Peterson and the likes of Jake Browning, who's been doing the damn thing in the NFL today for the Cincinnati Bengals, uh, Miles Gaskin, Dante Pettis, Buda Baker, uh, the list goes on and on, just a whole bunch of talent on that team. But that 2016, 2016 team, really wasn't this team that we have. And there wasn't many expectations that that 2016 team was going to beat Alabama, who they faced in that first round of the playoffs, and even have a chance to go to the championship. Because when they lined up against that Alabama team, that Alabama team had a plethora of first-round picks on both sides of the ball. They were a 14-point underdog. The game ended 24 to 7, but it was just one of those ugly, ugly, ugly games where the Huskies offense really couldn't get anything going. Um, and when you're going against a team with the likes of Josh Jacobs, Jalen Hurts, Calvin Ridley, Minka Fitzpatrick, Reuben Foster, uh, you're going to be at a disadvantage to say the that, least. That sounds like a pro ball game. I mean, I'm mean, that's that's not even good college players. Those are all pro bowl caliber players in the NFL today. So their work was cut out for them and nobody really had any hopes of them winning that ball game. And it, yeah, this, this, this season's a different story. Uh, they had two seasons, two losses that year. They still were the Pac-12 champions, but this year, 13-0, first time in this new era of Pac-12 football that a team has won 13 games and a team in the Pac-12 has reached that undefeated mark during the regular season. So this team this team has their, their sights set a little higher, and of course they have to go through Texas first, who Texas is... They're, they're no slouch. They're the Big 12 champs. They beat Alabama in Tuscaloosa, which is not an easy feat by no means. And not many teams can sit here and 
say that they've done that before and it's it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting. The 2016 version of the college football playoffs, we played Alabama, lost to Alabama. They went on to beat Clemson in the national championship game. Alabama also in the 2024 version of the college football playoffs. So very apropos for the Huskies to potentially, if they end up beating Michigan, the Alabama Crimson Tide could look to revenge to, as a revenge game against Nick Saban and Alabama if and when we potentially get past Texas. But again, John, 2024 All-State Sugar Bowl happening at the Caesars Superdome in New Orleans on New Year's Day. Um, the number two Washington Huskies versus the number three ranked Texas Longhorns. It's going to be happening at night, 845 on ESPN. Um, Texas Longhorns, the spread is in their favor. Currently, it's a four and a half point spread. But you've said it since we started this podcast. We've quoted quarterback legend Michael Penix <laughs> Jr. since we started this podcast. We love being the underdog. Um, unlike the 2016 team that you just told us about, where the, the championship aspirations were uh, were slim and we did have two losses. The Huskies this year, it's a different story, John. 13-0, and Pac-12 champions, the last real Pac-12 champions on our way to the number two ranking in the country. Heisman runner-up and... Literally the best player in college football this year, Michael Penix Jr., leading the way. And, you know, it's going to be a matchup for the ages. It's it's two really good teams, Washington versus Texas. Let's dive a little bit into what the Texas Longhorns are bringing behind Steve Sarkeesian. And be before even touching on that, what I really love about this game is you saw – Michael Penix Jr. kind of struggled down the stretch, but you could relate that to just the bad weather conditions, uh, Oregon State weather conditions, the Seattle-Washington weather conditions. And now you get a dome where the weather's perfect. So we have nothing to worry about. It's not going to be a factor whatsoever. But as I stated, Texas is coming into this game at 12-1, and one, winning the Big 12 championship. Uh, their only loss of the year came at the hands of Oklahoma during the Red, Riv Red River rivalry game, which um, back in the day that was the number one rivalry game in all of college football. It was year in and year out, back to those Adrian Peterson days. Um on the offensive side of the ball for those Texas Longhorns, they are led by well-documented five-star recruit, the number one recruit in his class, Quinn Ewers, who graduated early from high school, went to Ohio State. Couldn't see any time because, I don't know, you had C.J. Stroud there taking the reps for two years and he didn't want to sit behind them, so he ends up going to Texas, but uh, Quinn Ewers is just your prototypical NFL quarterback. He can make all the throws, one of the strongest arms in the game today. He's just, you know, one of those guys where he's different than everybody else. He's different than those quarterbacks that you usually see on the team. Um, on the year, he has thrown for 3,161 yards, 
completing 70% of his passes for 21 touchdowns and six interceptions. He did miss two games, so those numbers could really even be a lot better than that. Um, and what's what's not talked about is he has five rushing touchdowns. So I think he's one of those quarterbacks where he doesn't run often, but he is well more than capable of running with the ball, making plays when he has to, escaping the pocket, um, being slippery in the pocket. So um, yeah, he, he definitely helps contribute to that Longhorn rushing attack, um, being that second option when running the ball. Let's be honest, he 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 can get out of the pocket and scramble when necessary. But, John, talk to me about sophomore running back Jonathan Brooks, the running back who's led this Longhorns backfield. Uh, he they, they rely on him heavily. Uh, he had a very productive season at just being a sophomore. Uh, he's really their go-to guy, and the offense really revolves around him, even though they have a quarterback like Quinn Ewers. Uh, on the season, he's ran for 1,139 yards and 10 touchdowns, all while averaging 6.1 yards per carry, which is ridiculous. Uh, at wide receiver, it, it's really hard to compare any other school in the country to the Washington dynamic trio that we got going on because it's just not fair. It, it's We have weapons at every level, four, five, six receivers deep. Um, but Xavier Worthy and Adonai Mitchell, talk to me about what they provided for Quinn Ewers as reliable options when throwing the ball. Just just straight playmakers, period. Uh, they have probably two to three quality, quality wide receivers on this roster. Like you said, Xavier Worthy, 73 receptions, 969 yards, receiving five touchdowns on the year. Adonai Mitchell, 51 receptions, 813 yards receiving, and led the team with 10 reception receiving touchdowns. And they're just they're 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 a high-powered offense, not in the same category as a Washington, but they hold their own as as well. On the flip side of the ball, John, it's not the old years of the national championship, Texas Longhorns led by uh, Cedric Griffin and Michael Huff and, and the defensive backs legends of the Longhorns years past. But talk to me about what this defense brings and who they are, where we should be highlighting on this Longhorns defense. They have a lot of talent, especially on the defensive line. Uh, you could say it kind of really resembles in the Oregon Ducks defensive line attack where they all really just come after the quarterback. They all are big in size, NFL caliber, talent. Uh, they have three players across the defensive line with at least five and a half sacks. Uh, first, you have sophomore defensive end Ethan Burke, who's 6'6", 260 pounds, and just has NFL GMs mouth watering for him for whenever he's eligible to go to the NFL draft. Uh, he has five and a half sacks. Junior defensive tackle Byron Murphy also comes in with five sacks on the year. And freshman phenom linebacker Anthony Hill Jr. also five sacks on the year. So they definitely are able to get after the quarterback, make the quarterback uncomfortable. And the Huskies offensive line is going to have their hands full with that. It's arguably the most important game aspect of the Huskies is keeping Penix, the Penix pocket clean and keeping Penix 
and his jersey clean as well, keeping him on his feet. It's what has led the Huskies to the 13-0 undefeated Pac-12 championship, college football playoffs, and all of the above. So if we're going to be able to protect Michael Penix against this Texas Longhorns defensive front seven, good things should happen. But again, we're going to dive into this a little bit later on with another episode of the Bow Down Podcast when we break down the full matchup offense versus defense, defense versus offense, special teams advantage, coaching advantage, you name it. We're going to be breaking it down in the next two weeks leading up to the All-State Sugar Bowl. John, let's kind of tilt the script a little bit here and talk about that transfer portal because is it me or has this become the new recruiting technique in the country? We're not looking for 17 and 18 year old freshmen anymore. We're looking for seasoned collegiate D one athletes who are looking to make money. If I'm correct, is this, is this what's going on these days? hundred percent. And I think this day and age in college football, it's just, it's so funny because the recruiting never stops at first you just recruit the high school players, you wait for signing day, you try to flip a few, and then we take it from there. But now, as soon as the other teams aren't playing in bowl games or their seasons are done with, and you you know that they're going to enter the transfer portal, recruiting is, is, is all season long. And the Huskies have been linked to a number of players. A number of players have already went on to visits to uh, see what the Huskies have to offer. And of course, with all the success that they've had this season, you're going to really have a, a bunch of talent coming through your doors, whether it be the high school kids, whether it be the players that have dominated in the SEC, ACC, uh, dominated in whatever conference they may be. Even you can go to the, the F FS FCS level and right. the players that have dominated at Division One AA that want to up the ante and and really see what they're made of, they're going to be coming and visiting. So it's 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 very interesting day and age for college football with the NIL with the transfer portal, but it is entertaining nonetheless. And with that, the very first commitment that these Washington Huskies got were from quarterback will rogers from formerly mississippi state who is an absolute stud and he what is he gonna bring to seattle with him you ask oh he's all he's all he's gonna bring is twelve thousand career passing yards and 94 career touchdowns which is insane uh he's he's been doing it for a while he's been doing it for the sec he was part of that mike leach uh rejuvenating that mississippi state passing attack and and i have his his stats here just from the previous years uh this past season he was banged up he only played in eight games but he still was able to throw for 1600 yards 12 touchdowns four interceptions as well as throwing for 487 yards against South Carolina in early September this year. But his two best seasons in 2021 and 2022, he, uh, 2021, he threw for 4,739 yards, 36 touchdowns, nine interceptions. And then he followed that with 2022, 
3,974 yards passing, 35 touchdowns, and eight interceptions. And then, like I said, this year he was dinged up a little bit, so he really didn't have as much success as those previous two seasons. But he's a seasoned veteran. He could sling the ball with the best of them. Those numbers are very comparable to somebody that we know all too well in Michael Penix Jr. So, and if it was for maybe if his team had more success, you would have seen Will Rogers those previous two seasons be in that Heisman Trophy conversation. Unfortunately, Mississippi State doesn't really play too much defense like the Mike Leach coach team doesn't. So they really didn't have the success that Washington has had. Yeah, I was just going to say that. It, it reminds me a lot of the Penix situation where he was at Indiana and had moderate success, was putting up numbers, but was, let's be honest, bitten by the injury bug and found a new home in Washington up in Seattle. And what did he do? His two full healthy years in Seattle set the world on fire. So <laughs> if, if Will Rogers is the answer next year at quarterback, as long as we can keep him healthy, keep that pocket clean, keep him on his feet, I'd expect Will Rogers having the ability to set the world on fire. And you, and you know what? I, 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 wanna, I wanted to say one thing, too, because it's kind of like how college basketball gets those one-and-done players where you're kind of renting these players for a season before they go off and they graduate and they right. go off into the NFL. But I really want it to be a quarterback competition next year as much as success had, like Will Rogers has had. It would be so much better if he didn't only have one year of eligibility left. It would be nice if he had like two years like Penix had or if he had three years of eligibility left. So it kind of stinks in that standpoint because I'm a huge fan of red sh of red shirt freshman Austin Mack. I even went on the the podcast Instagram to say like it's all 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 well and great that Will Rogers is committed, but we still have some talent there in right, Austin Mack. And I, I really I checked Twitter, I checked Instagram, I checked every source every day to see if Austin Mack is going to transfer because he was the heralded recruit from a season ago being that four-star recruit coming out of California, 6'6", right. six, six, pro-style quarterback, 240 pounds, uh, three-year starter at the varsity level. And I think he threw for at least 40 touchdowns in each of those three seasons. So you have a player that you could see and could have potential and could right. be that starting quarterback for four years, but you – also could have Will Rogers for a season that's thrown for over 30 touchdowns and almost 4,000 yards each time that he stays healthy. Yeah, it, it should be an open open competition at QB. Who knows? I'm not focused on next year yet. I'm still focused on what Penix can do and hopefully bringing us a national championship. Very quickly, the other transfer portal update before I kick it back to you in targets. Um Former Vanderbilt linebacker Ethan Barr uh, has committed to the Huskies for next year, which is nice. 39 career starts, 219 career tackles. Uh, could be uh, a big contributor day one season next year, next season. Um, any information on Ethan Barr you want to share? Um, just one of those guys, very productive. He was a two-year captain at linebacker. 
another guy one year of eligibility, but he could definitely be a plug and play type of player. And especially when you come and you're able to get these players from a conference like the SEC, even though it is just Vanderbilt who only had what, two winning seasons in their history of their program ever, it's still just one of those guys that you could feel comfortable enough with to just plug in and play. And even today they got their third commit one of the best defensive tackles that was in the transfer portal, B.J. Green the second, uh, the junior defensive lineman from Arizona State. This season alone, he had six sacks as a defensive tack- tackle, which anything more than four playing that position is phenomenal. And he's another dude that you could just plug in and play right away. So they're already building towards the future. They're building towards having success for next season, which I'm a huge fan of. And Kalen DeBoer has been a proven winner when coming and plucking these players out of the transfer portal, like Jabbar Muhammad, Dylan Johnson, Michael Penix Jr., Jalen Polk, uh, all players who are all going to go on and play in the NFL one day and all players that have had great success for these Washington Huskies. Yeah, and, you know, who knows what the future could hold for these Huskies. Um, there's some other targets you want to talk about in the transfer portal. And and the first one on, on this list you, you sent me, John, has piqued my interest because he's the backfield mate for Will Rogers from Mississippi State. Quavius Woody Marks. Tell me about Woody. Yeah, Marks went on that visit with Will Rogers, and although it's never a good sign, when you go on a visit and you leave not committed to that team, he still wants to test the waters. I think he has another visit coming up with USC, but not only was he his running mate, he was also another transfer of ours running mate in Dylan Johnson. They were both part of that Mississippi state backfield two seasons ago, but he's another very, very similar to a Dylan Johnson type of running back. Um, During the 2020 through 2022 seasons, he had 1,300 rushing yards, 1,000 receiving yards, and 21 total touchdowns. Now, that production, SEC level, we we hit on Dylan Johnson. We knew Dylan Johnson had potential through the season. During our preview show, he was one of the guys to keep an eye on. However, there's somebody else waiting in the wing that we had as a top contributor to this season, although he didn't play this season and he suffered that season ending injury before the season even started in Cam Davis. So Dylan Johnson's probably going to the NFL. We know that. He had too much success. He had that 256-yard game against USC. He's going to the NFL. You could probably pencil that in. I would be shocked. I would be more than happy if he does return. I'll buy his jersey next year if he does return. But if you were to come and replace Dylan Johnson with his running mate and Cam Davis, who a season ago ran for just under a thousand yards and over 10 touchdowns, you're going to be firing on all cylinders right off the rip before the season even starts. The one thing that is is interesting to me, you hit on it before, you know, with the transfer portal and, and years of eligibility left. Woody Marks has one year of eligibility left, which if he wants to spend his one year in Seattle, we will welcome him with open arms. But somebody else on this list, John, has more than one year 
of eligibility left, and it's a receiver from Notre Dame that piques my interest highly, Tobias Merriweather. Talk to me about Tobias Merriweather and what he could – again, this is all speculation as of now. There's no um, set, nothing set in stone. When it comes to the Huskies, we're super focused on Texas, but to provide Husky Nation with the right information, John and I, we got to kind of continue talking on things – besides just the matchup for the Sugar Bowl. Uh, talk to me about what Tobias Merriweather could potentially bring to Seattle with his two years of eligibility. Uh, like like you said, uh, two years of eligibility is phenomenal. Transfer portal target, period. 24-7 um, sports has him crystal balled to eventually sign with Washington, although you can't really trust 24-7 because – I'm still heartbroken that Jason Brown, the running back from O'Day High School in Seattle, committed to Arizona State instead of Washington like he was supposed to, and Crystal Ball to go to Washington. But that's we, we could talk about that at a different time. Uh, he's uh, Merriweather already visited with the Huskies, but he has not made an official decision yet. Um, he hasn't really had too much production at Notre Dame uh, in his short career, but he is – he is from the Seattle area, uh, Camus, Washington, and he is just one of those speedsters. Uh, you could compare him with a Jalen Polk type, same body type, really good hands, and could absolutely fly. And John, what other names in the transfer portal, other targets we could be looking at for the Washington Huskies for next football season? Well, one one name that I had written down that I won't touch too much on because he just recently committed to the enemy in the Oregon Ducks was Kobe Savage, uh, the playmaking safety, all Big 12 performer from this season. He was supposed to choose between Oregon and Washington, and he decided to go with the bad guys. But moving on, moving on, another safety that I, I have circled is Kamari Ramsey, who has three years of eligibility left. He is well known as being the number one rated safety in the transfer portal. He's narrowed his two choices down to Washington or Ohio State. And going against a team like Ohio State is never, never an easy task by any means. But a player with three years of eligibility left to play is a huge addition to this team because it's almost like you're just re-recruiting him to play for your team. Um, he This was his first full year as a full-time starter, uh, 45 tackles, two interceptions. However, he graded as one of the best safeties in all of college football. He only missed 6.3% of his tackle and allowed completions on just 47% of targets anytime he was covering somebody, which translates to a great player to have in that secondary. Um, there's plenty other visits planned for these Washington Huskies. Like I said, there's players from Cal Poly Technical, uh, all over the Pac-12. You still have a few SEC players coming out to visit. So. When it's all said and done, it's going to be very, very interesting to see where these Huskies are going to align with the transfer portal as well as National Signing Day for these recruits only being two months away now in February. So 
there's plenty of time to swap those four and five star recruits to come down to Seattle. So we will see what happens. But yeah, so far, so far, it's been great for the Huskies. Especially seeing we're one of the final four teams left in the country playing collegiate football, meaningful collegiate football at this level. Who knows what a win over Texas or a national championship victory could mean for the Huskies when it comes to the combination of the transfer portal and recruiting for next season. And then there, there was there was one there was one other thing I wanted to hit on too because yeah. it, like we were talking about the quarterback situation because there was other quarterbacks that were being linked to Washington like Cam Ward who still hasn't made a decision yet but he's made a few visits um, so it would be even interesting to see if you would still be out there recruiting another transfer portal quarterback to come in whether it be Cam Ward or even we were texting before about Will Rogers, where Malik Murphy, the backup quarterback in Texas, also is in the portal. And having a player like him where four years of eligibility left would be phenomenal. But as one of the great Seattle area coaches in Pete Carroll would say, competition breeds championships. So hopefully we get as much talent as we possibly can. And listen, this is, there's obviously still so much speculation surrounding what Caleb Williams could do coming out of USC. He still has another year of eligibility available. Now he declares for the draft today, he's by and large the number one overall pick, regardless of who's picking in, in the spring NFL draft. But the question is, does he want to be, a Chicago bear? Does he want to be a, a New York giant or a new England Patriot? If you know, Belichick leaves or who knows what's happening in the NFL, especially with the amount of NIL money that someone like Caleb Williams could make, he'd probably make more money transferring to a different, huge, big collegiate program potentially competing for a second Heisman or another national championship and an Ohio state or an LSU or who knows where Kayla Williams could potentially go. But I'm hearing that there's speculation. He might not declare for the NFL, which is crazy based off of what these transfer portals and NIL money could potentially bring in. It's, and it's I've, all I've heard thing. I've heard the same thing about Marvin Harrison Jr., that he's been so reluctant to declare for the NFL draft because Ohio State boosters are all coming together with the money and being like, hmm, let's see how much money we could put together so Marvin Harrison Jr. can come back for another season, right. which is, I mean, I think it's great. It's great for college football. It's great for these athletes finally getting money that they well deserve. And it's just, it's, it's fun. It's all good right. fun. Right. It's a, it adds a whole nother layer of what the coaching slash recruiting game brings because you are advertising your product 24 seven, not only to high school seniors and four or five star recruits, but to players on the other side of that football field from you at all times, which is, it, it, it's a game changer. Speaking of game changers, John, it's the alumni spotlight. Talk to me about this week's Alumni Spotlight. 
the the common theme I've been trying to pick as many players as I could pick off of that 1991 national championship team. I'm going to go with safety Dana Hall. He played for the Huskies from 1987 to 1991, part of that national championship winning team. He started 30 of 47 games with the Huskies and was 28 and two while playing for the Washington Huskies. He finished his Huskies career with 98 tackles, eight interceptions. In 1991, he earned first team all pack 10. He was also named MVP of the All-Star Game in the East versus West Shrine Game. He was then a first-round pick, 18th overall, by the San Francisco 49ers. He played six years in the NFL for the 49ers, Browns, and Jaguars. He won the Super Bowl in 1994 with the San Francisco 49ers, and his NFL career stats are seven interceptions, two sacks, 185 tackles, he is currently a defensive back coach at San Bernardino Valley College, junior college out in California, and a senior operations manager at a Amazon warehouse. Hey, listen, Amazon born and raised in Seattle. He's keeping it true. <laughs> His blue blood Huskies, you know. John, I appreciate you for hanging out this episode with me. We are marching along to this Sugar Bowl. Uh, super excited what the next two weeks are going to bring for these Washington Huskies. And for us on the Bow Down Podcast, anything else you'd want to add before we cut it loose here? No, just keep listening to us. We have that long break before New Year's Day, uh, before that Sugar Bowl game. But we're going to be putting out plenty of content uh, on Instagram, here, Twitter, wherever you could follow us. So just keep trucking along with us. We're going to keep it fun. We're going to keep it interesting. And we're going to have a good time doing it. Yep. Again, not to uh, reiterate it too much, New Year's Day, 2024 All-State Sugar Bowl at the Caesars Superdome in New Orleans. It is number two Washington Huskies take on the number three ranked Texas Longhorns. 8.45 Eastern is the start time on ESPN. It's going to be one for the ages. For John, I'm Joe. This is the Bow Down Podcast. We truly appreciate each and every one of you watching us, listening to us following us along on social media, especially Twitter or X, whatever you want to call it, and our Instagram. Instagram is popping. A lot of interactions there. I see you in those DMs, my boy, talking to those players trying to recruit for that NIL. Maybe you and I can see what kind of pocket lint I got in this pocket to put towards the uh, NIL. Trying to get someone like Caleb Williams up to Seattle. How you doing? How you doing? I appreciate you, my boy. Continued support from our fans. Awesome. We love it. We'll catch you guys next time here on the Bow Down Podcast. Yes, sir. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.